Hello, welcome back to the Being Back Pod. My name is Smith and I'm your host. And I'm super, super excited to have Priscilla Adjiman on the pod today because she's literally my social media crush. Um, <laughs> going to get into it because we I found her, I want to say in 2020, um, when she I I guess was initially starting to build Sadie Baddies, which we'll get into. But Priscilla is the founder of Sadi Baddies, a virtual safe space for Black and multiracial people to destigmatize mental health and initiate collective healing. Sadi Baddies is dedicated to bridging the gap between mental health awareness and minority communities through digital discourse, workshops, virtual and live events, and creative collaboration. But again, I got, I think I found your, I, I found Sadi Baddies first. And I was like, oh, like, this is like super cool. Like, this is super dope. Like, definitely going to follow. And then I don't know if like, maybe like the page I posted you or like, Maybe it was like your birthday. Something happened that I was like, oh my gosh, who is this black girl? Like, <laughs> it's like who is she? Her page, literally so cute. Obsessed with like every photo that you post ever. Um, very up to date on any collabs that you do. Also, congratulations on Essence. Was super. Thank you. Cute. Thank I'm you like, so much. I think social media is so cool to me because I like really get excited for people that I technically don't know. And yeah. I love that for them. <laughs> like, Same. Like, like yes, girl. Like, um, <laughs> um, so I'm just very, very excited to have you on the pod. Um, but for me and my listeners, we are going to uh, kind of establish a point of reference and start off with four initial questions to kickstart our conversation. Are you ready? Good. Yep. Thank you. What does being black mean to you? Oh, uh, being black means being rooted in my ancestry. Um, I am Ghanaian. My parents were born in Ghana and immigrated here in the 80s, late 80s. And I and my siblings are first generation American. So being black to me is embodying the spirit of my ancestors, um, being rooted in the values that my parents gave me. And also being black is being lit, being fly. Like we are the flyest. <laughs> And okay, <laughs> it's not it's not even a question. We are just so we embody and exemplify joy, um, coolness, culture, style, innovation. I mean, I could go on and on, but yeah, definitely those two things come to mind. Very cool. And it was there ever a point since you are first generation, was there a point that you like maybe during childhood that you were like, oh, like this is what being black is like, ah, like whether it's positive or negative, but you like kind of like, okay, there's more to this than like I initially felt or initially saw. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when I was a kid, I grew up in the suburbs of Jersey. So I, you know, there was, it was a mixed neighborhood. I grew up with people that were, you know, different backgrounds, different cultures, all walks of life. A lot of my friends were, you know, like my closest friend is white, Jewish, but I had a lot of, you know, different people in my life. And um, for me, I think growing up, I did feel other because although I was, you know, maybe one of like six or seven black kids in a classroom, I think being that I was pushed to be in like honors classes and like AP classes, which I'm sure, you know, you being the... <laughs> <laughs> the brilliant person you are <laughs> period woman in stem and, you know I I also I struggled to find um my identity when I was a kid I didn't really understand you know I could I didn't understand the concept of duality I thought I only had to be one thing and be perceived one way and it didn't yet hit me that I can be all things and more it does I don't have to put myself in a box so I think when I was younger, I struggled a lot with my identity and having like an identity crisis and not feeling connected to my culture, not feeling connected to my blackness. Um, also, I was made to feel other because I had interest or I had, I guess, characteristics that other black kids thought was weird. And it just, it made me kind of feel ashamed in a way and it made me feel like why can't I be black but also like this type of music or be black or like wear this type of like style but now we're seeing so much of that being embraced like you know with like Aaliyah core and you know just black girls that are you know not afraid to embrace the full multi-dimension aspects of who we are so 
think being black younger meant something very different for me than it does now where I'm like unapologetic about it and I don't have to explain myself to anything or anyone. Uh, that is straightforward. So I definitely feel like growing up as well. I grew up in a, uh, I actually grew up in a predominantly white area um, in the suburbs of Philadelphia. And I was like the only black girl in my class. Yeah. And very similar, like just felt very othered. I also felt like there was like a pressure to like be the best representative of like yes. black race and black culture yes. like, as a whole. Um, yeah. I would be around other black people because I had different interests. Like I also felt like they like weren't really like rocking with me either. <laughs> so I was like, like, girl, what are you doing? Like, why are you listening to Green Day? Like, what the no, hell? Like, that? why are you on the debate team? I'm like, ah. yeah, yeah, like. <laughs> I, know, I just thought it was cool <laughs> like you know so I, I definitely do that definitely does resonate with me um so you said that you grew up in the of Jersey so how actually was it growing up in the area it's also kind of funny that you mentioned that one of your closest friends is white and Jewish because one of my one my best friend growing up um was white and Jewish um and her and I are so very close to this day yeah. we're still talk all the time but like she's definitely the friend that like I we like have like you yeah. know Every two, three months, we're like, oh my gosh, like, what's going on in your life? And then we'll talk for like five hours and be like, all right, cool. Oh, you're right. So how how was that growing up? And also like, how was it growing up being around who you're around, but then also trying to balance, you know, your ancestry and like the cultures yeah. from, you know, where your parents came from? So um, going back to like my best friend, her name is Ray, and we were in the same kindergarten class. But I think what makes our friendship so unique is that even though we're so different, we also have a lot of similarities based on our environment and like where we grew up um, in central Jersey, in the suburbs. And not only that, like we have also evolved and grown so much with each other. So, you know, I think when it comes to that aspect of my uh, my upbringing, like understanding my different friendships, understanding that, you know, there's going to be people in your life who are there for a season or maybe like even a couple of years, but then you have your people in your life that have really grown with you. And she's definitely one of those people. Um, but I, I also, I think growing up in the suburbs is weird because it's like this weird utopia where everything is like, oh, everything's perfect, you know, there's a grocery store and this and that. But then it's like this undercurrent of, I feel like sadness. Like when I'm in Jersey, I feel sad. Like I feel that sadness. And <laughs> it's like- I feel so weird going home. Yes. And yes. like my parents still live like where I right. go. And like, same, same. I hate going home. I love, of course, my parents have a very yeah. good home. But like driving through the town, I'm just like, it's eerie. There's like an eeriness about it. And, you know, like everything is the same, which is comforting. But then it's also like weird because I'm like, I'm 30. Why is there still the same exact layout of this town since I was five? You know, so I think growing up in the suburbs has taught me I'm I'm grateful that I had the opportunity to grow up in an environment where my parents felt comfortable. They felt, you know, safe to raise us and whatnot and our neighborhood our neighbors were our our friends our family friends you know so we felt very much like I think integrated into our neighborhood however there was still always this element of other like we were the only African family in our neighborhood so you know they loved us but it was still like we're in full out kente cloth garb like on Sundays going to church like my mom is making a big pot of jollof like every Sunday like you could smell it so it's still this element of other and I love that about my culture now like I embrace it I have jollof rice in my freezer at all times like I just I truly love it and I I appreciate the the pride that my parents try to instill us and I think right now I'm in the phase right now in my life where I'm going back to trace my roots I'm going back to understand okay what is my family tree and Actually, my dad and I have been kind of working on a project to develop like our family tree and actually like write it out and, you know, put faces to names and stuff because, you know, it's our heritage. So I think now I'm definitely more appreciative and I am so much more understanding of what makes you different is literally the the cool thing about you. Like anytime you ask someone or you think or perceive someone as being cool, it's it's what makes them different. So 
accepting that and allowing it to be a part of my identity versus it being something I'm running from or trying to like pick apart has really helped me to just be at ease with myself for sure. Oh, wow. It's so funny because I feel like I've been waiting to like actually talk to you in person and this is like way better. <laughs> it was good. Like just, I thought it was gonna be amazing, but just like hearing yeah. also, I feel like I didn't realize, I didn't think of that we'd have a lot of similar lived experiences. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, okay. Sorry. Complete sidebar. But <laughs> Because you have a, a you know a similar upbringing, I want to know potentially if like our our advice for our younger self kind of aligns. So, do you have any advice that you would give your younger self? I know like that can be difficult because I feel like when you grow up in when you grow up and you don't feel comfortable with yourself, like there's like a lot of stuff that like hindsight's twenty twenty. Like you'd be like, ah, like don't worry about that one person that's making you feel weird. Watch uh, your hair, you'll figure it out. Like stuff like that. But like, is there like kind of an overarching? Uh, like 15 year old so like it's cool like yeah. yeah I definitely think I was way more shy than I am now I don't think people realize like I was very shy even though it's weird because I was outspoken but I was still very shy meaning that like I and shyness to means like almost being afraid to take up space in a way like kind of just not feeling fully comfortable like kind of you know taking up room and I felt like that through a lot of my um, teenage years and my early 20s, for sure. I think when I got to college, I realized that I could take up space, but I still didn't know how I was going to, meaning I didn't have my passion yet. I didn't figure out what my passion was in life. So if I could tell my younger younger self something, I would tell her to take up more space, to not be afraid of failure. Because I think I spent a lot of time being terrified of failure, which um, also led me to actually start having um, experiences with anxiety and like really panicking every time I had to take an exam or if I was failing something or if I just I would measure myself like I used to look at myself as good or bad based on how well I was doing, especially like academically. That was kind of my that was how I perceived the world. And that's, that's normal. I think, you know, when you're young, you don't have a lot of life experience to fall back on. Your main experience in life is school for the most part. Like that's your main, that's what you're putting in most energy towards for the most part. So all I had to look back on was, am I doing well? Am I a good person? Am I smart enough? Am I cool enough? Like that was always my parameters versus it just being, I am inherently worthy. And so I would definitely tell my younger self, like, just chill out, like, chill the fuck out. <laughs> it's okay. Like, girl, if, if I could tell myself that it's okay if you even fail or you get a bad grade on something because you're still going to be succeed, you're going to su- succeed anyway, because it's in your birthright. Like, that is not negotiable you know that's that's something that was destined for you so just lean into it versus it being something that destroys you or makes you feel less than yourself right oh what you said about associating your self-worth with your uh, academic and I feel like because again we have like this weird space that like you're you're one of like few black people growing up and again, you're, you're pushed into like those honors and AP classes. And again, you're like, okay, like, you know, my parents made all these sacrifices. Like they really want me to do well. And then again, you fail, you fail one test. I remember I was talking to my therapist about it. Uh, this was for college though. Um, and I failed a class, which was like, oh my gosh, my world like crumbled. Like I literally was like, I'm stupid. This is crazy. Yeah, yeah. School, I was like, why would I even think I could do it? Yeah. Therapist asked me, she was like, Camille, how many classes did you pass? I'm like, Anaya, that's not what we're talking about what I failed. And she's like, but you literally failed one class out of like 180 credits that you had to take. And I was like, but three credits mattered. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Exactly. I can't get past it, but it's so interesting. So I feel like with that in mind, what kind of propelled you to go to grad school, propelled you to go to get a master's in public health? Um, and was that still like an issue for you that you were still kind of associating your self-worth with your academics? Was that initially like a main driver, which like, right, again, hindsight's twenty twenty. that's like not the best thing, but like, was that also a driver in like you pursuing your graduate degree? 
Yeah, I think so. I think, well, see, the thing is, when I was in my senior year of college, I didn't graduate. And that was like a huge shock to my whole family. It was a shock to me. And it was because I kept I, w- I withdrew from organic chemistry, which I'm sure you know is like it's the class I failed, bro. Yeah, yeah. Or go to. I, yeah. I one. Not That's really. It. I got a C, but that's <laughs> or go one. C minus, a C minus literally by any means necessary. So I've, I, I withdrew from the course twice and I attempted to take it over the summer at um, Rutgers, which is, you know, biggest state school in New Jersey and I withdrew from that course because taking a summer course with for a course that's supposed to be 12 weeks and cramming it into like basically five six weeks is not good on the not good (laughs) Uh, it's, it's not healthy I mean in my opinion for such a difficult course unless you've already taken it before it's it's not gonna be helpful for you to speed up and try to learn all this material in half the time you would um, so I did that twice. Um, second time I withdrew, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to just like, I don't know. I, I I can't, I can't pass this class right now. So um, my dean essentially sat me down and was like, you're not going to be able to graduate because you need these credits. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was devastated and I, um, I didn't get to graduate with my peers So that made me feel like even more of a failure. And um, there's also like a lot of other issues at the time like going on, like with my family, like health issues and whatnot. And so it was just a really hard time for me. And I decided to, you know, use this this year that I had left to finish my credits and start working um, part time. So I started working at an emergency department at at Princeton in New Jersey. So I was working as a scribe and uh, essentially a scribe is just the person who works alongside the healthcare provider and writes down all of their notes, literally scribing. So writes their charts and there's like a whole training for it. So I was scribing for um, a year and a half actually while going back to community college to finish up my credits. And I was in this community college, felt like a complete loser because I was back in my hometown, but I was the stranger, even though I was born and raised here, I was like, felt so awkward and out of places. I've been living in New York and going to school there for four years. So I was coming back and like, nobody was home. Like all my friends were either still in New York or they were off traveling or doing whatever. So I didn't have like anyone that was there and kind of understood what I was going through. I was literally by myself that entire time. And I think that period of loneliness really, 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 really was super important in me building resilience because when you don't really have anyone else to kind of comfort you or kind of like help relieve that, you have to rely on yourself, but you also have to rely on your internal support system, which is your faith sometimes, or it could be your family or whatever, or it could just be that, that resilience that comes and develops out of having to be uh, strong. And it, it really took a lot out of me to push through, but thankfully I was able to pass, you know, and get a C. <laughs> That's passive. <laughs> exactly. I was like, just give me, hand me the degree, just hand it over. I don't care anymore. So I finally passed. I graduated And then after that, I was like, you know, like, what's next? Because my whole plan this whole time was to go to medical school, which is why I was. um, Yeah, literally. And we're both Sagittarius's, which is like the same person. It's just. (laughs) Sorry, keep going. I'm like, I know this story. (laughs) No, this is way too deja vu. Um, Literally. So I. I wanted to go to medical school because my plan initially was to go to medical school, become a doctor. And I was like, you know what? At least I need to understand what it's like being a doctor. So that's why being a scribe was one of the best decisions I made. And to this day was one of the best jobs I had because I got firsthand real like candid experience that I would have never gotten anywhere else. And I really understood what it was like to actually work with a doctor or work as a doctor because I'm in the room with the patient and the doctor every single day writing every single note like 
processing discharges, admissions, transfers, like doing the ICD-10, the whole thing. So I'm like getting this firsthand experience that a lot of even the residents that were um, shadowing at the hospital, they're like, y'all do more than we're doing. Y'all are just not actually touching the patients, but paperwork, everything else, you're doing the same thing. So I got to learn so much. And I realized like, you know, as much as I did love, you know, helping people, I wanted to help them in a way that wasn't only external. Because what I was seeing was a lot of people coming in, especially when we would go to the behavioral unit and the, the psychiatric unit, it would be kind of the same things I was seeing. And that was my introduction to mental health and mental health illness and having to sit down and talk to someone who was suicidal and write down like their entire story essentially and then you know I had so much sympathy and so much um, empathy and compassion for people who were really struggling or you know coming in with um, chronic conditions like diabetes hypertension um, a lot of issues that sickle cell that were kind of recurring. And I'm like, there's a pattern here. I'm noticing like black and brown people are coming in for these types of issues more and more, you know, but why? Cause we're all in the, we're in the same neighborhood. We're in the suburbs. So that's where I started to learn about my mentor at the time. Actually, she had gotten her master's of um, public health. She was a pediatrician and I shadowed her for a summer and, um, she was telling me about public health and how like, you know, all the things that I was observing were technically called like the social determinants of health. So that's where I was like, oh, there's a whole field for this. I had no idea that there was a field called public health. So she encouraged me to apply and take the GRE, which I did. And I just kind of locked in one summer. I took the GRE. I applied to um, the schools I was going to apply to Mount Sinai, which was my my number one school. And I got in. And so once I got in, I was like, oh, it's lit. We back. Like, I'm back to New York. Like, I'm back in my city, my favorite city. Like, ooh, ooh like, so excited. So, yeah, I enrolled in, in grad school. And that was a two-year program. I really, um, that was, like, definitely my flop era. Like, personally, in my opinion, like, that was my biggest flop era. We, we could get into that later. But I'm saying like, that was like the time that I started going to therapy because it was no longer a choice. Like I had to go because I was just completely unprepared for the reality of like lifing and being on your own. Um, grad school doesn't have the cushion that undergrad has where you have a dorm, you have a meal plan, you have like your friends, that kind of thing. Grad school is like, you're an adult and you're going to school, period. That's it. So it was different, but yeah, I learned a lot. I published a cross-sectional study that, you know, focused on mental health in children at the U.S. Um, border and children and mothers that were in detention and seeking asylum. So like did a lot of research and community-based work while in grad school. And it really completely shaped and shifted the way I thought about health, healthcare, um, mental health, and community. So that's like kind of the, those were the, the seeds that were planted for what is, I would say, Saudi baddies today, because it came out of me being in that dark place, mentally, physically, emotionally, but also my environment and doing the work that I was doing for two years. And so, right. so you planted those seeds. And I feel like a lot of times when I talk to people, whether that be like on the podcast or just in general, I think a lot of people that like truly inspire me, which like you are one of those people and I will give you your flowers. Um, <laughs> uh, it always starts with like, they were going through something. Um, oh, yeah. Or resilient enough to have it on my arm. Uh, yes. It's something that like, unfortunately, like life has kind of forced me <laughs> to be. Yeah. Um, and and I don't know. I, I just always think it's so interesting that like, it's it's a pattern. I feel like yeah. the like, inspirational people are always like, no, like I was going through something for like this yeah. much time and then I was able to like create this. So you planted those seeds during that period of time in your life, those two years, you started going to therapy. When did you start to kind of see the plant grow? Like, when did you start to see Sadie Baddies and you're like, oh, like this is what I actually need to be doing. Um, and kind of like, how did you go about trying to bring your idea from in your head to actually like having it out in the world and people actually be able to perceive it and experience it. 
Yeah, I mean, I I didn't even know that I needed study buddies more than I needed it like to just create. It was more it was like a it became a lifeline for me. Um because when I before I started it, I had just graduated grad school. I was working at a nonprofit and I I ended up quitting that nonprofit, but when I was working there, I just felt so miserable and I was, I, I hated it. I mean, just being completely honest, I, I really, I've talked about this before. It just, it completely was taking away my, my soul. Like I could feel my soul, like diminishing every single time I would go to work. And when you're doing that type of like soul crushing work and you're also not getting paid well for it, it just makes it 10 times worse because it's just not fulfilling whatsoever. There's no like trade-off of like oh okay this is hard but at least I'm getting paid well or I'm getting paid well but you know what I'm saying there's no trade-off there was no trade-off and um really toxic environment I ended up quitting and but before I quit I I set out a plan to start study body so I was at my desk one day actually at this job and I was just like in my head about it and like you know my co-workers in the back room like just talking shit about whatever and I was just like I don't need to be here. Like I, I gotta go, I gotta pack this shit up and go. So <laughs> I was like, you know, what can I do? What can I create? And I started thinking about my mental health journey and how though, you know, the two years that I was in therapy, how much it saved my life and how much it was helping me to have hope and, and have more of a positive outlook in life. And I think it's so funny when people tell me like, oh my God, you, you're so positive. Or like, you know, I always love like, watching your uh or listening to your podcast or you know seeing your content because it's it makes me feel better I'm like yeah but what you don't know is that I felt so low at a point and it took me years to feel this much better you know like I didn't think that this was possible so it took me a long time but I eventually realized that Saudi Baddies was going to be this passion project of mine where I started talking about mental health openly. And at the time there were, you know, there were wellness platforms, but I wasn't seeing a wellness platform show or share kind of the inner workings of mental health in the black community. And um, I wanted to have a space where people could learn about it. Like I wanted people to be able to share this post with their friends, with their family members and say like, Hey, like I just read a post about, um, you know, anxiety or bipolar disorder or, you know, um, body dysmorphia, like any topics that people weren't really talking about on social media at the time. And, you know, granted that was 2019, but I've learned that over time, the more you, talk about it and show up it becomes a ripple effect so the more I showed up the more I realized like oh people actually need this people are you know like I, I'm not alone and other people resonate with this deeply as well that really ignited me to just keep going and keep sharing keep posting keep creating um virtual events virtual experiences which eventually became in-person events and experiences as well so um you know four years later now we're here with like a you know an actual process and like you know establishing it as a brand and not just an Instagram page that started out of me working you know at a nonprofit in Brooklyn like now it's 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 evolved into its own space and I'm really glad that I didn't listen or just only stick to the negative voices in my head that were telling me that nobody's going to care. No one's going to relate. Everyone's going to, you're, you're, you're telling, you're oversharing that kind of thing, like not wanting to be perceived and then moving from there to like, no, we need to have this conversation and hearing, you know, people tell me like that Sadi Baddies has like literally gotten them into therapy or like helped them to like take that that step to take care of their mental health and just practice wellness and to their family members as well or you know you know people telling or sharing how this is part of their routine it's part of their day and that means everything because I didn't think that that was going to be the outcome but I'm just I'm really really grateful 
really yeah, beautiful. I think, I think something that stuck out to me about Saudi Baddies as well is like, like you said, we as a community don't talk about it. And I don't think necessarily that, at least from my lived experience, it doesn't come from like a negative place. Yeah. My parents didn't necessarily have, it sounds weird to sit, phrase it this way, but like almost like the luxury to like check in with how they yes. were because physically their body was in harm's way on like a regular basis yeah so it was very interesting to like you know grow up and be the only black person in a class and like experience like bullying and like kids are just like in as hell and like going to college and being tokenized and trying to understand like how that feels and like why it feels bad or like just like a bunch of different experiences that you have with people and then going back to your parents and being like they're like oh well like you know, what's wrong? Yeah. Parents in particular, like, love them to death, like, love them down. And, like, they were just very open to, like, okay, like, what's anxiety? Like, what do you, like, when you say you're having a panic attack, like, what what is that? Um, And being able to take the time to actually explain it. And, of course, if you don't necessarily, like, experience something firsthand, there's still going to be some gap in understanding. But, like, I was fortunate to be able to, like, sit down and be like, no, like, it's not like, oh, you're anxious, like, stop. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I would have done that if I could have just, like, I'm like, oh, my God, why didn't I think, stop, dad? <laughs> this whole time, I just, like, stop doing it. Like, that's crazy. I wish it was that easy. It's like, uh, I would love to stop right. this train. Like, yeah. oh, my goodness. And especially, like, when you're spiraling, like, oh, my gosh, I can just stop spiraling right now. Like, wow, this, the whole world is just different. But again, when my parents would say that, or just, like, People within my family would say that I I know that it was not coming from a negative place, but like they just literally could not relate. They didn't understand, yeah, what I was experiencing. Like they didn't even have the terminology. So like when you now when you see platforms and spaces like Sadie Batty, you're like, oh, like like you said, I literally could send this to my dad and be like, yo, like read this. Yeah, but we were talking about you know bipolar two disorder. Like read yeah. this. You know this is gonna explain it. Um, at least better or give you a better understanding than you had prior um and I think that that's just like very vital like I feel like you are whether you set out to do that whether it was like simply you know a lifeline for you like you are like genuine like you're impacting people um and you are healing like us as a group um so again when I saw the page I was like I'll like follow send it to my sister I'm like yo like she's super into mental health she was one that actually like encouraged me to get a therapist um, and I always joke with my therapist now because um, uh, getting a therapist was like my my gift to myself for my 23rd birthday. Mm. First session, I was like, yeah, like my name's Camille. Like, you know, this is the da da. She's like, oh, look, anything you want to start with? I'm like, no, like, I'm really just trying to get to know myself more. Da-da-da. Girl. And then the no text. My life blew up in 20, and, and what was that last year, 2022, blew up. Then she's like, oh, like, you're like a very, like, you know, self-aware person. And I was like, yeah, she's like, where does that like stem from? Like, she's like, when you journal, like you're journaling as if like someone's going to read it. I'm like, oh, yeah. it's great. My teacher did read my journal. And then brought- no. I'm like, now that you say that, yeah. Because I was like, yeah, whenever I like write stuff down, I'm always writing it just in case, you know, someone is reading it. But I, I was like, oh, like, yeah, that definitely happened in fifth grade. She was like, oh, but like, how did you feel about that? Like, that's legitimately an invasion of privacy. And I was like, oh, like, I guess. And she's like, no, like, it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you feel? So oh I feel like, again, you're creating a space for people to feel comfortable going to therapy, talking about things, actually sorting through, giving people the terminology, which is important. Because I feel like when yeah. you have terminology to actually, like, label things, people have a hard time categorizing them. Yes. And especially, again, in the Black community. And, like, we, as a, as a whole needs appealing because the world has been very new to us yes absolutely absolutely you're you're doing you're doing a lot and I'm like very proud of you as an individual I met but like it's very necessary thank you love I I really appreciate that I'm also super proud of you and what you're creating and what you're building like says you're putting on galas for the girls you're putting on galas and creating spaces where we can show up authentically as ourselves like that is beautiful and I'm sure that you know generations before us wish that they could have had experiences like that and we get to create them and I anytime I do something that 
is positive for the community. To me, it's always paying respect to my ancestors because they deserved that experience too, you know? So now you have this platform. Mm-hmm. It's that you've created. It is well-respected. It is featured in Essence, which is <laughs> third. So freaking cool. Where do you want to go from here? Are you just kind of enjoying the fact that like you started it and we're like, wow, like I'm actually having an impact. Like I'm cool here. Or are you looking forward to, you know, what's the next thing you're going to create or what's going to be the next extension of Saudi Baddies? Can you give us yeah. the, the, the 411, the T <laughs> to what you want to do with it? Of course. So you know, honestly, I don't even think it's up to me whether I wanted to expand or not. It's just, it's at the point where it's like, I always get this download of when it's time to level up or when it's time to like, okay, level two, like you did, this is good, but you now it's time to elevate. And I'm getting that feeling and that calling now more than ever. So we are actually in the process of sharing our first digital products, which will be Available on our website, the Saudi Baddies Marketplace. So really excited to share that. So going to have our first digital, our first line of digital products, you know, the first one being the podcast technically, but this will be, you know, actually like guides, tools, um, ebooks that people can download and take some of that information that's being, that's been shared for over what four years now on the podcast through the post that we share and make it available to you so that you can actually use it and incorporate it in your healing journey without you know having to rely on social media to go and look for the content or listening to the podcast only so I'm really excited for that and um, so that's going to be coming out in the next couple of months and then we also are in the process of sharing our first physical product as well so we did do a very small batch of like merch um a couple actually last year but we want to actually make that available for the baddies because the baddies want they want to wear their their sati baddies hoodies and you know rock their tote bags and whatnot yeah. so let's, let's do it let's give let's give the baddies what they're asking for so excited to finally you know put that out and I am working through the perfectionism aspect of being a business owner too. I think that was something new to me and a learning curve I have was learning how to let go a little bit and learning to do trial and error. And the thing about when you're doing it as a business owner is that it's public. Everybody has trial and error, but when you're doing it with your business, it's very public. So people can see if you're being successful at something versus if you're not. So you know, kind of letting go of that fear of perception and just being okay with the learning curve that comes with trying something new and putting yourself out there and putting your product out there or your service out there is it's new, but I think it's, it's good for me in a healthy way. And I'm excited because I have, you know, I have a team of people that are actually helping me versus me doing it by myself. So my fiance has been, super 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 amazing oh, and- <laughs> fiance. Yeah. Fiance. congratulations it was like oh my god my girl again haven't met her but my girl <laughs> we've met we've met this no is- literally because yeah. i'm gonna have to come to new york at this point oh my god please i was just gonna say like please come to new york it would be so fun we'll you know have a kiki maybe we can make it like a little event and have the new york girls link up that'd be so yeah being black slash sadie baddies new york meetup something like that that'd be really cute oh my gosh not y'all <laughs> so when we <laughs> pop out with the event in like two three months y'all better pop out wow that'd be so fun right right a fiance i just had to stop you yes <laughs> I love love. And the photos were so cute. Oh my goodness. Thank you. So your fiance is helping you. Yeah, no, he's been, he's actually been spearheading a lot. He's been spearheading um, partnerships. He's been spearheading like the product, like rollout. Cause that's his, his background is in business and um, client success, creative direction. So he's helped me so much, but he's also been like leading those projects as well. Um, which is really exciting. And obviously he co-produces the, the podcast. Um, 
And also my community manager, Angel, who's my my baby sister, but she's not a baby anymore. So I got to stop calling her baby. Um, but my younger sister, Angel, she is a student at Howard and she does all of our community management. So she's she's the one that's responding to comments a lot of the times, you know, um, DMs, just ma- making sure that our community is always taken care of honestly and she creates a lot of our content as well um so having help now I feel so much more confident and supported um to be able to go into this next phase of Saturday baddies in it's always going to be that safe space online but now we want to bring some of those elements offline as well you know so that you can really take it with you and um not have to like go to into like oh what was that post about you know uh attachment styles like you can just it'll be there now you know mm-hmm. um, and I think that's that's good yeah. now, especially because I feel like I don't know if you've seen the news with like oh the- girl it's crazy it's a mess and it's just I don't know I I feel like I always would see people especially when like I started to kind of dip my toes into content creation like I think the end of like 2020 like really 2021 and people are like, oh, like, it's really important to build, you know, your email list, mm-hmm. do all this stuff, because, like, what happens if, like, social media just, like, is gone, you know, yeah. and I feel like initially I was like, ah, like, yeah, what do you mean? Yeah. It's like a, a legitimate real life, like, thing, like, they very much might be quote-unquote banned, or at least, like, yeah, they won't be able to update the app as much, like, they won't be able to, like, actually, like, host as many people, and I, I thought it was so interesting how, like, I don't know if you also like the CEO of TikTok. Yes, I saw him. Yep. I was like, wow, like this is like literally a thing. Like it's crazy. It's like I, I've been saying, I've been saying this, um, <laughs> I've been saying this to my friends, but we're really in a digital dystopia right now. We're in a digital dystopia for so many reasons. Like, actually, funny thing, I when the essence feature came out, I'm like, oh bet, let me get the print, like the magazine. Like, I couldn't find a magazine. <laughs> There was no magazine stands. I was like, where did all the damn newsstands go? Like, there's no newsstands. The little areas like in, and I live in Harlem. So there's like, you know, like bodegas and stuff everywhere, but they don't sell magazines. They don't sell newspapers anymore. Nothing's in print. And so it's like the little inconveniences that we have. And then on a larger scale, uh, the what's going on with TikTok and just there's also this undercurrent of like this like dark web stuff that's coming more and more into our our feeds and we're seeing what's actually happening behind closed doors is like or behind closed screens I guess you can say like we're in a digital dystopia right now and it's it's really it's unsettling but that's why it's like now more than ever you need to protect your your real estate online and protecting your your intellectual property online too and not having everything only on these apps like having it on your website having a newsletter having a mailing list like those are some ways to protect your your brand and your business or your creative you know brand that you're building online and not having it be succumbed to what's going on like this lobbying and all it's it's wild girl I could really go on and on about it but it's it's really crazy so yeah I I can't I can't emphasize how more timely this is not just for me but I think for everyone else too to like really start to learn how to build and connect with your community beyond just using these apps because they are not as secure as we think they are at all yeah so. no I completely agree I was having conversations with my friends um because this is gonna like heavily impact a lot of people like if oh for sure if band like that's literally people's like way of life and like way to like sustain themselves um so it's like very scary but back back to I think that this is a very cool step to continue to connect with your your community offline as you said I'm very excited. Shoot, I'm gonna get some merch. <laughs> and I need to come to a, a, a in-person event. I did the last event. With yes. So I wasn't able to come up, but yeah. no, I really do want to come to an in-person event. I'd love you to have friends to have in New York are trying to get me to okay. <laughs> not that I don't not that I like don't New York. I just feel like I haven't legitimately experienced it. Like it's always been yeah. either I've had to do something or I yeah. In, which I will never drive to New York again. Yeah, no. 
a parking situation is a lot or like I yeah. I take the train I'm at Penn Station I have to be in Brooklyn that's like it's, oh it's it's, it's a lot it's a lot so, I'm gonna try so if you do come again, I would definitely recommend coming and staying for like a weekend because weekends are a lot different, I think. And it's a little bit slower. Like there's just more stuff to do too. So I feel like spending a weekend here will kind of give you a better taste. And if you're kind of just in and out, because I know it's overstimulating, it's, it's a lot. Um, I mean, I'm definitely, I think my nervous system has adapted to the overstimulation in some ways. And so now it's like, when I'm home, I'm chilling, but then I get on the train and I'm like, what the hell's going on? Like, it's a lot. So, but I, I'm used to it. I'm used to it since I've, I've been here for so long, but I think definitely spend a weekend here, you know, immerse yourself, like try all the foods, try all the things, you know, it, it is, New York is, is really, I think in the summertime too, it's like a great time to visit. Yeah. Really, really that's cool. what my friends have been telling me they're like oh we're gonna take you out like you're gonna come up for the weekend we'll go to this place this i'm like girl you just tell me when to be there <laughs> <laughs> and i'm gonna do the best that i can towards the end of our episodes we have something about a lightning round it's basically a this or that i'm gonna ask you five different questions and you can give me an explanation if you want to if you don't want to perfectly fine or okay. rapid fire okay let's go ready first question cocktail or mocktail Mocktail all the way. Mocktail mommy. Soft glam or full glam? Soft glam. I only know how to do soft glam. I don't think I've ever done a hard glam look on myself except prom when I was in high school. I'm soft glam all the way. Um, Homebody or outside? Definitely homebody. Um, You can't tell by the hoodie. (laughs) (laughs) By the hoodie and the glasses right now. Um, Homebody for sure. Um, leading the discussion or participating in the discussion? Oh, that's a good, oh, that's a really good one. Hmm. In my research, I was like, hmm, what would be a little difficult? Yeah, I like both. I like both. I think, I do think I like leading the discussion. I think I like giving people prompts and I love kind of just dropping the seed and letting it like just the conversation flourish from there. Um, but I like participating too. Okay. All right. Last question. Staycation or vacation? Oh, I'm going to say vacation. I'm going to get on a plane. <laughs> One thing about me, I'm going to get on a plane. One thing about a Sagittarius, we're going to get on a plane, girl. We're going to be out, out the country. No, exactly. Okay, cool. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> I definitely thought the leading, I thought you would do leading the discussion as well. I think I would also choose that too. I think yeah. sometimes, depending on the topic, I can get like very like, I, I am a very opinionated person. I do know that about myself. So like I can get very like heated depending on what it is. So I yeah. feel like being able to ask kind of thought-provoking questions, I feel like it's kind of where I thrive. Because then again, like you said, other people can. Yeah, know, for sure. I I, I feel the same. I, I love like, I love being able to start the conversation um, and then also kind of give like, like you said, your, your opinion or your feedback or your thoughts about it. But yeah, I love conversation starters and like icebreakers, is, you know, I yes. love that. Like we really are the same person because literally like I, I work. <laughs> uh, so basically I work at this company and uh full-time and I basically was like in the office like last year I'm like where are the black people at like I know that we're in here but I just like don't see us so I made this team's group of like just black people that I would like come across as I was walking the halls smart 95 people in there which I was like who are y'all like where are you how did you get here no literally so people started adding people like to the chat and whatever so then people were like oh like we should do like monthly happy hours so I started organizing these monthly happy hours girl tell me why yesterday we were at a happy hour and I was like, okay, like, let's do a little fun fact. What's everyone's name? Where's everyone from? Like, that's me. That's me. working here? And I was like, oh my gosh, Camille, like, there's like an orientation counselor. I was like, I was an orientation counselor. <laughs> I was. You got me. Guilty. Um, I was like, well, what's our fun fact? I'm like, I'm crying. Like, I love that. I love that for you. I love that for us. Honestly, like, if there's one thing I'm going to do is make sure everybody feels comfortable. Because it's, it's making it 
everybody feel comfortable. I'm think I'm big on introductions. Like if I meet you, if I'm bringing you somewhere, I'm going to introduce you to everyone that I'm speaking to. I have to because it's rude when you don't, when people just kind of stand there and you're like, like loop them in, loop them in. Like, you know, like make people feel comfortable. And I think, you know, if you, if you're good at that and like, that's your skill, you just know it and you can't help it. So I love that you're doing that, especially at work where we need more of that. We need more of those spaces for sure. Um, you know, everyone's, I feel like everyone needs like one friend in the group that like, I feel very comfortable. I don't even, I don't even think it's embarrassing myself, but I feel very comfortable being like, ah, like what's your fun fact? Where are you from? What's going yeah. on? yeah what's your big three yeah no, like, no right yeah, yeah. What's fine? let's talk about it <laughs> and your mercury too because like information as well <laughs> give me your blood test give me what's your social security like just ancestry.com i need the results thank you very much no thank you. but exactly <laughs> yeah. oh my god yes i'm here oh, for it again circling back really was so excited for the conversation and it just super mm-hmm my expectations I'm very very happy um again I always like to give people their flowers and I feel like I've tried to do that of course that our conversation words of or yeah words of affirmation is my love language so I tend to love on people that way too but um you're doing such a good job like I literally like anything that you post you post individually on your personal platform but also on Sadie Baddies too it's just like I don't know Thank you so much. Think about people to have on the podcast. I'm like, all right, like who's like really creating space, you know, in their industry and like, you know, demanding that they're, they're taking up like room. I was like, oh my God, let me just DM her and see if she's going to respond. Oh my God. I was so excited. And, like, here. Yes. and I, it's literally I'm like, well, in my head, we've had like brunch like three times already. Oh, so like, exactly. This is just going to be an extension of that right. this conversation. So I'm really, really thankful and grateful that you asked me to join and be on the on the show I really I'm so excited to you know just have this conversation um more in depth and uh looking forward to meeting you you know when you yes, come we'll make it happen yeah absolutely but I appreciate you Camille this is right. awesome beautiful start to my morning like the best and where can our listeners find you? I've been referencing your socials, but I don't think I necessarily told them in the episode yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you can find me in, in several places. So on, on Instagram, you can find me at Priscilla O. Adjuman, Priscilla.o.adjuman. Um, that's my personal. You can find Sadie Baddies at Sadie underscore baddies. And then the Soft Life Pod, which is just all one word. And same handles all on TikTok as well um and then you can sign up for our newsletter on our website sidebodies.com and then of course you can listen to the soft life podcast um which is on all streaming platforms spotify apple all the things mm-hmm. so yes and for the listeners i'll put everything in the show notes so it'll be clickable and easy to access um again this like really <laughs> this really made me happy so again i appreciate you taking the time to talk with me and the listeners make sure that you rate the podcast it helps us get discovered um actually leave a legitimate review too because that's also very nice the <laughs> listeners i really really appreciate y'all rocking with me for usual we have one more episode being black and creating space and i will see y'all next week bye